Hey everyone, we're the Stephen Queens. I'm Bella. I'm Shannon. And I'm Ashley. We're really, really excited, everybody, to be here with you today recording this. Um, this is just three women who are so excited to share our love of horror with you all and have discussions and just everything from a woman's perspective. It's just something we've really been looking forward to sharing with you all. Yeah, Shannon, I know I've been really excited to embark on this crazy journey with two of my best friends, and I think it's really going to be fun, even if no one ends up listening, which I hope isn't the case, but I think it'll be fun no matter what. Yeah, exactly. So before we get started, we wanted to introduce ourselves and give a few quick shout outs to a few people. So I am Ashley. I'm a total horror movie fanatic. I watch them in the middle of the night by myself, like, I've just always really liked them. I was a theater major in school with minors in film studies and communications. So you'll probably hear me geeking out on some of the film studies aspects of the films, different film terms, cinematography, things like that. So stay tuned for some of that awesome stuff. So I know like my first scary movie was The Village. I watched it when I was 11, convinced my aunt that I was 13 so I could watch it. So I've been a big fan of scary movies for a long, long time. So I'm really excited to share this journey with you guys. That story cracks me up about your aunt. I just think that's so funny. My um, mom was pissed off. She was so mad. Yeah, I'm really concerned how um, <laughs> she did not know your age, yet she is your aunt. She's the best aunt ever. I love her to death. No, I, no, she's no great. shade on your aunt. No shade on your aunt. I know. I love my two aunts. They're both wonderful. But I, I to this day, feel horrible about, <laughs> about tricking. She's like, are you sure? I didn't think you were. I was like, yeah, I totally am. Because, come on, who's going to not believe your niece? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. Okay, I'm Shannon. I am actually a high school English teacher. I have my degree in English language arts education. Um, so that's a lot of fun, if you can imagine. If my students are listening, hi guys. Love you all. I also have a Spanish minor. And like Ashley said, I love horror movies. I will just watch them by myself in the middle of the night. Um, it's really fun because this whole podcast sort of got started with us in just a group chat. And we just realized we're so freaking funny and cool and knowledgeable. We should just create a podcast. And I'm totally kidding, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm Bella. My major in college was visual communication design, graphic design, and a minor in photo illustration. I love horror movies. They are the only type of movie I really watch. So that also causes problems when people want to watch movies that are not horror. And I'm really excited to dive into this. This is really, really fun thing we get to do from afar, unfortunately. And I think it's going to be something great. Yeah, I have a good feeling about all of this. Me too. So that's enough about us. Um, we have a couple shout outs that we want to give. Our first one goes to... Um, basically our our podcast twins i would say i mean three of the coolest guys i've ever met on twitter <laughs> honestly though <laughs> but really we want to give a shout out to the death curse podcast seriously these guys are absolutely amazing if you haven't had a chance go give them a listen i personally call them the dcp crew because <laughs> um, we talk about them a lot because they're great so yeah. shout out to darren adrian and laszlo <laughs> <That's my whistling. laughs> no, and they are really fun guys like just super friendly super supportive really like our alter egos super cool and just really funny too i really enjoy interacting with them they're so cool 
Hey, Laszlo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was that, that rendition of Laszlo as Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Top notch. Oh yeah. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So again, if you guys haven't, go check them out. Death Curse Podcast. They're on Spotify. And then you can at least follow Death Curse Podcast on Twitter as well. The other shout out I wanted to give was to my good friend, Paul. He helped put together our awesome intro music. I know I've been bothering him like crazy the past couple days, weeks, whatever about it. So thank you, Paul, so much for your help. Please still be my friend after this. I'm sorry I was annoying. (laughs) (laughs) We're very appreciative. Yes, thank you. And I think with that, we're ready to start. Yay. Oh, man, I'm excited. Wait to talk about this with you guys. I'm really excited that we have people listening to us. This Um, was, I think, some of our favorite, one of our favorite movies in general, like all of us. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. I remember looking at, like, our old VHS tapes when I was a kid and seeing this movie on our VHS tape, knowing I wasn't allowed to watch it for obvious reasons, but always being fascinated with it. So, The Silence of the Lambs was released in 1991, and it was directed by Jonathan Demme. It won five Oscars, including Best Picture and a Golden Globe. It is based on the 1988 novel The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris, and it is currently ranked number 23 out of 100 on IMDb's top-rated movies. Its genre is technically a horror-slash-thriller. Which is interesting because apparently that's debated, whether it's considered horror, but... I love, and we've talked about this before, how like horror, there are just so many different genres within that, subgenres within horror. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I would say it's more of a psychological thriller in my perspective, but definitely hits towards the horror genre enough to where it can be categorized as such. Most definitely. So uh, the film starts out, we open on a foggy forest scene where FBI cadet Clarice Starling, portrayed by Jodie Foster, is going through an obstacle course, only to be interrupted with the news that Jack Crawford, the FBI agent in charge of the Behavioral Science Unit, wants her to interview renowned serial killer and psychologist Dr. Hannibal Lecter for a psychobehavioral profile on serial killers. Little does Clarice know that this will only be the beginning of her relationship with Dr. Lecter during her attempt to find another violent serial killer known as Buffalo Bill. Right, we have a lot to get into here. Oh, yes. We have a lot of things that we want to talk about, but actually, before we start, I do think it's interesting how the opening scene is her running in the woods. Mm-hmm. Which in most horror movies or psychological thrillers, the way that a woman is portrayed is that they're running from something. And I think it's, I just thought it was kind of awesome that we get to experience her in her line of work. Oh, yeah. So, fun fact. Um, I'm full of fun facts for this episode. Jodie Foster had a lot of influence on the opening scene. Initially, the director had, Jonathan Dem had wanted to open the film with the training scene where they both have the guns and they're doing the fake arresting um, and where Clarice gets pretend shot. But actually, she said, no, most police type films start like that. Let's start with her and her natural element kind of overcoming. And so the audience can connect with just how strong and independent she is, which makes a huge statement within itself. I love that because if they had started with the gun shooting scene, I think it would have set the tone totally different because we would have seen Clarice Mm -hmm. not failing, but sort of failing. 
with that happening to her, like with her making a big mistake, but I love that we get to see her as a strong start to the film. I would agree. I think it's a really strong way to start it out, especially with this film, with as controversial as things can be. It was, I think, a very strong start to the film itself. So getting into some of those controversial topics, though, the whole thing that so many people talk about with Silence of Lambs is transphobia. Is it transphobic? And with that being said, before we get into this topic, we want this podcast to be a place (coughs) where anybody can listen, male, female, female identifying people. So this is... Non-binary people. Right, exactly. Non-binary everybody so that's a really interesting topic for us to kind of start on i think also another thing is we are three cis females we don't know the ins and outs of what it's like to be anything other than three cis females so anything that we do touch on just try to take it with a grain of salt and know that we have the best of intentions we are three very loving and open-minded women and we only want the best for everyone so Transphobia is something that comes up a lot in regards to Buffalo Bill specifically. I dove into some YouTube videos from one of my favorite trans YouTubers, Ty Turner, who I shout out, have a huge crush on. He's fantastic. And he brought up some really interesting points in the perspective of somebody who is trans saying, hey, this isn't transphobic, which I think is really important to know that there is a person who is transgender who is saying you're not getting it you know or this isn't transphobic and i think some of his points are really great and need to be addressed in the movie it is discussed that buffalo bill was denied sexual reassignment surgery i don't know too much about that process but what i do know is that i believe there's a psych evaluation that comes prior This is a big operation. This is something that is both physical and mental. And they ask you to see if you're mentally prepared to take on this operation. Well, he was denied. And I believe multiple times at that. So Hannibal and Clarice discuss this as a concept when she goes to visit him. And there's a few quotes that I'd like to read because I think they're really important to kind of clarify whether this is an issue of transphobia or is this an issue of a misdiagnosis or a miscommunication. In the movie, Hannibal says, the significance of the moth is change, caterpillar turning into chrysalis or pupa, from then into beauty. Our Billy wants to change too. So after that, Clarice then says, There is no correlation in literature between transsexualism and violence. Transsexuals are very passive. I think that's a big thing where it says there is no correlation between violence and people who are transgender. And I think all three of us can agree on that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In fact, it's usually the other way around. Exactly. Right. There is so many transgender folk who are put in horrible, horrible god-awful situations and it's wrong it's it's an ongoing has been going on for many many years and frankly it it needs to stop it's it's a very big issue and i hope this is our way of you know making that public and saying we need to bring attention to that Mm -hmm. and one of the other things i think is important to know with this film is The terminology they use nowadays is extremely outdated, but at the time, 
it was at that time the proper terminology so they went out of their way to try to use the proper terminology even the uh, the author and the director so the author of the book and the director of this film all agree you know buffalo bill he was never intended to be viewed as a transgender person that's not the intention by any means the actor who portrays buffalo bill even says like no it's the idea of this is a man who is so angry and upset with his identity that in his mind he thinks that he is but that in itself isn't correct because being transgender from my understanding as a cis woman is being who you are and being able to put yourself into who you actually are whereas in Buffalo Bill's case it's a form of escapism and that's not what being transgender is whatsoever at all so I think that's one of the big points that they try to make as well. People who are transgender don't always transition by doing sexual reassignment surgery and that doesn't make them any less trans as somebody who does. In regards to that quote there's uh the quote is Buffalo Bill wasn't a gay character, which, again, terminology mm-hmm. is dated. Mm-hmm. He was a tormented man who hated himself and wished he was a woman because that would have made him as far away from himself as he could possibly be. Yes. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on when Ashley was talking about like, his identity. It's not about being a woman for him. It is about not being him. Yes. So it's like um, the opposite of being trans. The other quote that Hannibal says is, Billy is not a real transsexual. So this brings up the fact that it has nothing to do with him being transgender. Uh, But he thinks he is. He tries to be. He's tried to be a lot of things, I expect. So these quotes within the conversation of Hannibal and Clarice really touch on, and this is all from Ty Turner's YouTube video, which I highly recommend you all check it out because I think it's very well done to say, this isn't an issue of him being trans. This is an issue of trauma and identity issues. Mm-hmm. And we'll be sure to share that link in our Twitter and on Facebook as well. We'll have a couple links yeah. that we'll share there. So if you are interested in hearing Ty's perspective or doing some research on, on that aspect, I know that was something I was really lacking myself was research and finding valid valuable sources from the trans community so thank you Bella for finding that I really yeah we really appreciate that that was a great video really cool Mm -hmm. I agree so another I think really good point of something that is a little controversial in a lot of horror movies violence in general and one of the big things that I love 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 about this film is that most of the violence that's in this film is not directly shown. And I think that's part of what makes it so terrifying. You know, when they are in the um, mental hospital and Dr. Chilton is taking Clarice down to see Dr. Lecter, he shows her this picture of a nurse showing what Dr. Lecter did to her and said, she did this and he ate her tongue and his blood pressure never went above 85. And what I think makes it so haunting is when they show Clarice the picture, the audience doesn't get to see that. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, what's awesome about it is that it doesn't display a whole lot of gore, but it actively forces the viewer to use their imagination when it comes to gore within the film, 
which I think for myself, um, my imagination can run wild. And that's what almost makes it scarier is it forces the audience to do that. Right. I think also like when it comes to that scene for me, it's almost like you're anticipating seeing this horrific image. You get worked up and you don't see it. So then your mind is like, well, what could it be? What could it look like? And you then form these graphic images in your head, but they have no responsibility of what you produce. Also, I have got to make a side note about this just because we were talking about it recently, but I wonder, opinion, do Mm -hmm. you think tongue or liver tastes better with fava beans and a glass of nice Chianti? Liver. (laughs) Um, I personally can't speak due to being vegan, but I'm up for a can of Bush's baked beans. (laughs) (laughs) What you said? I ate his liver with a can of Bush's baked beans and a nice Chianti. (laughs) I'm up for it. Oh my god. Bella, we'll try to find you a vegan human liver. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) My next birthday cake is going to be a birthday cake in the shape of a liver. liver. I'm not excited looking forward to age 28. (laughs) (laughs) According to Ashley Vance, she's 29, so it's fine. But I think at the same time, but kind of diving back into that violence, I mean, part of it also goes into the whole, um, there, there are definitely things in this film that are, that are talk about violence against women. You know, Lecter does this against a nurse. And I guess they refer to her as a female nurse. Am I correct? Or do they just say nurse? I, I think they refer to the I, nurse as a female nurse. I pictured her as a female because I, okay just rewatched it and I could have sworn but I I can't remember I just watched it today I shouldn't be better with this but (laughs) but even when when Miggs Miggs throws his semen at Clarice and Lecter basically convinces him Miggs to kill himself in a roundabout way you don't see that it's just referred to and you know the way that they describe like oh yeah, he like swallowed his, you know, swallowed his own tongue, blah, blah, blah. It is graphic in a way, but at the same time, they never show that. They force you to imagine what that's going to look like. And that's, I think, what's so great is, while, you know, I think it's awesome when films require a viewer to think about that kind of stuff. I think gore is the cheapest type of scare. It's, Uh, of course, someone's going to be freaked out when you stab a pencil in their eye. But to make someone psychologically think about that, that's so crazy. Yeah. I think we also, when we are forced to create our own imagery, we know what scares us the most. So we implement that into what that horror would look like and how it would make us feel Mm -hmm. the way that they're trying to get us to feel. You know, like my vision of what that imagery would look like might be different than yours. And we add in things that, you know, would make it scary. First of all, I personally can say I'm actively trying to swallow my own tongue just to get 
get an idea of how that is done. Um, no success thus far. So if you do know somebody, leave it below um, in our yeah, social media. Drop a link in the comments. I, yeah, because I don't even think you cursed us because somebody's going to put like a YouTube link of somebody swallowing <gasps> their own tongue and I'm okay. going to have never be able to sleep again. Okay, no YouTube, no actual imagery. Again, we're not into that. But if you're like, hey, you know, my friend Joe choked on his tongue. We're down to hear about it. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a long tongue. I'm gonna say unless unless it's like out of your body and you choke on it, like that's that's like a kiss level tongue right there. Okay, but have you seen my <laughs> in the band kiss? Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, did you not just see my tongue? I did. That was pretty good. <laughs> okay. Well, Bella has honestly got a kiss. Oh, I do. I'm basically female Gene Simmons, but I am actively choosing um, to, from this point on, avoid swallowing my own. Hey, Laszlo, oh. you listening in here? <laughs> it's level tongue. Oh! Oh, goodness. I just lost all our viewers, all three of them. Um, <laughs> They're gonna sit there and be like, "Oh my God, we don't want to talk to these girls anymore. Yeah. They're crazy." For the editing tool, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh gosh. All right. Hope no students are listening in. Sorry, guys. Anyway, sorry about that. Okay. So, um, we talked a little bit. Let's oh, try to get back on track here. <laughs> we talked a little bit about Clarice's opening scene. Um, and how they open it with that strong scene. But then we also just talked about Migs and that whole thing that he does, which is really horrible and vile. But it is interesting because a lot of this movie, we see Clarice really just this strong figure. But she does have that moment where she's crying at her car. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, how would you guys react to something like that? Like, not that I want to solve be thinking about that. But, I mean, I can't tell whether I'd cry or be really ticked off. So, another fun Ashley fact. Um, when they filmed this movie, I'm sorry. I'm I just, so scared. <laughs> when they filmed this movie, they worked really close. I mean, they filmed at Quantico, which, first of all, at this point in time, I don't think that had ever been done before. But they worked directly with behavioral ana- the behavioral analysis unit, the behavioral science unit, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, and they worked directly with FBI agents. The real life FBI behavioral science unit assisted in making this movie. So Jodie Foster, Jonathan Dim, John Glenn, the guy who plays Jack Crawford, they all sat in on FBI classes and worked with criminal profiling agents. Another fun fact, the FBI had hoped that this movie would inspire more women to apply to the academy. But one of the female FBI agents that Jodie Foster worked with gave her and Jonathan Den this idea and said, you know, when she was working on cases, especially more graphic cases, there were a lot of times where it became too much and she would just go to her car, have a cry, get it out and go back in. And that was kind of her safe space to get out all of her human emotion because some of the stuff they're dealing with, I can't even begin to imagine. Oh, and, then, and then she'd go right back in. So I think it's so realistic in a way that she does this I would probably do that like I need a second to take a break because this is some really heavy stuff let me go take a breather and then come back that is 
just so much. I, like I said earlier, I don't know whether I would have cried, been super pissed, probably both. I just know I couldn't even do that job anyway. So shout out to all of, especially the female FBI agents, because I'm blonde. If anybody here knows me, I'd be the first to go in any horror movie, anything going like that. I'm the one that's going to trip over her own feet in the woods. <laughs> is what it is. I've accepted my fate. I think you have final girl vibes, Shannon. <laughs> and we love you for that. Hashtag yeah. final girl vibes. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting how she, Clarice, is portrayed. Um, one of the scenes that really is interesting to me is when she is done with her um, initial workout in the morning and she goes into the elevator. And she is the shortest person and the only female. And it's a bunch of tall males surrounded by this petite woman who is starting to be portrayed as this real badass person. Um, and I think it shows like just because you're, you know, physically showing that you look a certain way doesn't mean that that you know, links up to how you actually are. That's a really good point, Belle. There's a common theme within this movie of a woman in a man's world. I mean, Clarice being in the elevator, being the only woman, Clarice at the funeral home, surrounded by all of the sheriffs and officers who are all just staring at her, watching her. I mean, even Clarice's friend, Ardelia, which she is the one, that one other female and the FBI that we really ever get to see running and studying and getting to see those guys watch her. This concept just continuously comes up about a woman in a man's world that is just very interesting. A fun fact is that the woman that portrayed Ardelia, I want to say her name is pronounced Cassie. She was also portrayed as a detective in Candyman. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. That is, okay, first of all, <laughs> I love that movie. Second of all, the remake comes out in September. I really hope it doesn't get pushed back, but maybe it should because I really just want to see it in theaters. We need to review oh, that because that's a good yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. That yes. But I like that fun fact, Bella. Do we mm. know who the male actor is that is gonna be Candyman. I bet if I looked I it up on IMDb, I could find it. Also, what's interesting before we, you know, like move on from the whole race topic, um, I do find it fascinating that her and Hannibal are sort of equals. I see they really level with mm -hmm. each other. She can handle his crap and he kind of like gives it to her and like tries to test her. And I really enjoy that she stands up to him. I mean, she tries to, she says, will you ever put that kind of reflection back on yourself when he's psychoanalyzing her? Mm -hmm. um, and I just love that. I feel like we get, not that we should want to have his respect, but I feel like she does have his respect. And I think that's such a cool thing because he even does try to bring her down with, oh, he'll try to throw her off. Even with just throwing in sexual things. Uh, why can't I think? Jack Crawford? Yeah, Jack Crawford saying, you know, do you think he wants to have a relationship with you and all this? And she's like, I'm not interested in that. And I'm like, cool. Get it, girl. Yeah, get it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think also um, in the beginning when he first meets her and they're basically doing, you know, they're introducing each other to one another and he says, oh, so you're not like an actual agent, like you're a student basically. And you can see her getting a little caught off guard, but I think after that, she starts standing her ground and being like, mm -hmm. okay, I get how you're trying to mess with me and I'm gonna deal with this in the most appropriate way. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. most definitely. And I think Clarice has to deal with that multiple times. I mean, when Jack Crawford tells the sheriff that they shouldn't discuss sex crimes in front of a female or in front of a woman, and Clarice calls him out on that. He's like, that really grind your gears. That really pushed your buttons. And she's like, it matters. It does matter because that sets the precedent for how he's going to treat women in this field moving forward. And he basically was just told by a higher ranking official that that's okay to do. Thankfully, that. he's like, okay. I'm like, oh, you know, make a good point. But, you know, it's she stands her ground and is like, no, that's not okay. This isn't all right. Even later, stands up to all of those other sheriffs and is like, look, you've helped her as much as you can, but you need to get out. And we have to examine her. Go away. Get out of here. So I think we also want to talk on something that, yeah, is very relevant and that this can happen and it has happened. And unfortunately, we will continue um, seeing things happen similar to this. As we all know, and many of us are interested in, is serial killers. With Buffalo Bill, he has a lot of qualities that are similar to serial killers such as Ed Gein. In regards to the skin suit, uh, Ed Gein actually made a woman's suit as well as a corset and human skulls into bowls. Uh, Very disturbing. Oh my goodness. And then there is Ted Bundy, who Ted Bundy would fake an injury in order to lure women in and We see this with Buffalo Bill luring the daughter of the senator into his vehicle because he has an injury. And the last person who I don't think any of us really had heard about until actually really diving into the makeup of who Buffalo Bill is, is Gary Michael Heidnick. And I just want to point out something. We are from Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This man is from... Cleveland, Ohio. I didn't know that. (laughs) Unfortunately, here in Ohio, for some reason, I don't know, we have quite a few serial killers who are from this state. Serial killers? Ohio. Like, truly, this place is not like any other. Serial killers and astronauts. Last time I checked, Ohio has the largest number of astronauts, as well as maybe serial killers. I can't confirm that, but at least astronauts. Something about Ohio either makes you really angry or want to leave this planet. Yes. Lots of asses. Get it? (laughs) Bad joke, but... No, but I have a feeling even Children of the Corn took place here. Probably in... Probably near us. (laughs) The Stone Cornfield. If you get it. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. For Gary Michael Heidnick, so not only was he born in Cleveland, Ohio, ew... Um, he would keep victims in his basement. I believe six of them were, he had six victims, but only two of them passed. Uh, doesn't matter if they were victims or if they were deceased. Doesn't matter. It's equally as horrible. I know he had a water pit of some sort that he would put the individuals in. And one of the women, Deborah Dudley. So Deborah Dudley and Sarah Lindsay were the two that perished from my understanding, Deborah Dudley was electrocuted by putting her in the water pit and I believe inserting some sort of electrical device, whatever, into the pit in order to electrocute her. Sarah Lindsay uh, passed from starvation as well as torture. So 
horrible, horrible things, but you kind of see where the pit, the skin suit, Mm -hmm. as well as the faked injury came together to create Buffalo Bill. Insert an appropriate curse word here. That sucks. (laughs) Tough. But that's on a... um more exciting and fun topic. Uh, can we maybe discuss the extreme amount of chemistry that both Clarice and Hannibal Lecter have? I mean, you know, <laughs> balance it go, wow, wow. I oh, stand yeah. it. I stand it real hard. Knew you I were just up. Knew uh, it. There's um. literally, there's literally someone put together a fake movie trailer because I don't, okay, fun fact about me, I don't like romantic movies, romantic comedies. I think they're stupid. I think they give people an unrealistic expectation on love. Sorry, not sorry. But, no. but I consider this maybe not necessarily a horror movie, but a love story. There's someone, there's someone, <laughs> there's, a, there's someone out there who edited together clips of Silence of the Lambs to make it into a rom-com. I'll send it to you guys. We'll post it on the Facebook and Twitter. Straight up, I stand it. I think that's the pre- the proper term. I'm old, so I don't know. But hey, I think if you're listening, let us know. I ship it. I ship it. Um, honestly, I will tell you, you kind of started to convince me over the many times we've talked about this. Hannibal's got that mysterious vibe. He does. Um, I might share a glass of, as he says, Chianti with just not any kind of liver at all. But it might be your liver. <laughs> yes. As we said, I'd be the first to go. Maybe I'm just his type. I don't know. That's not funny why I say that. (laughs) 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 I'm so sorry. That was very insensitive, actually. Um, I do have to say, though, he does say at the end, the world is more interesting with you in it. I thought kind of cool, but, like, I don't want to say I thought it was sweet because that's just, that was creepy. People will say we're in love. (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) I'm I'm saying, Obviously, he's he's a killer. He's a serial killer. He has a lot of different issues. He's done monstrous I'm, things. He's done a lot of really bad things. All I'm saying is, how many times has a man convinced another man to swallow his tongue after doing something rude to you? Never. Never. I'm just step saying. Up your game. Yeah, guys. Step up your game. If you oh. don't convince a guy who's mean to me to swallow his own tongue, how do I even know it's real? I'm oh. just saying. That should be, like, on The Bachelor. That should be, like, one of the group dates that they have. If there are any Bachelor watchers here, I'm sorry. I am that person. They could just have it. (laughs) Who can make somebody swallow their tongue first? Okay. Moving on. If you're romantic and you know it, clap your hands. Clap your hands. Make somebody swallow their tongue. Anyway. Okay. So, I think I might be the only one who (laughs) is not on the Hannibal Clarice train. Only because I... I think the big thing is we don't know his actual diagnosis when it comes to what he's in for. I think they say psychopath. I don't think that any of us are really fully convinced of that. And correct me if I'm wrong. I was gonna say I'm not a I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a mental health professional. Do not quote me on this. I don't know what I'm talking about. But from my understanding, and if you are, please like tweet at us, comment on Facebook, shoot us an Instagram message, comment whatever. Give us some more information, because from my understanding, he doesn't fall into the technical realm of a psychopath. And that could just be, like, outdated terminology that the movie is using, because it's the 90s. But I don't think he falls into that technical... I mean, there's something obviously wrong with him. No one just, like, eats a guy's liver with some fava beans for fun. 
I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> laughing at that concept. It's just whenever I hear fava beans, like, I'm done. I'm, I think it's hilarious. What are fava beans? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know either. Someone I tell us what are fava what beans. beans are, but. Now I feel like I need to like go out to Kroger and like bake myself some fava beans. Um, (laughs) But like it's just funny. (gasps) What were you going to say? Continue, Bella. We totally cut you off. Well, um, two things. One, I found out what fava beans are, and I think you know when you get that succotash thing. I never have had succotash. I'm sorry. The only reason I know of succotash is like Looney (laughs) Tunes. Well, this is a suffering succotash. If you know what succotash is, <laughs> it's, I think it's those weird green, um, like flat like beans. I don't know. You think I know more about beans? Because yeah, like you you're vegan. You're the one who's supposed to be like. What are they called? The bean expert. I'm you a, eat a lot of beans for I'm protein. Bean expert. You're supposed to um, be the one on the beans and lentils, Bella. I know. I need to learn more about my my beans. But when it comes to the romanticizing of serial killers, I just can't get on the train only because it's just disturbing to me. Because, you know, I mean, I think we can all agree that serial killers are people who perform horrific horrific acts on other humans and they they view humans as you know anybody who's not themselves as lesser than and I personally that's not a concept that has ever registered to me and to know that somebody has the ability to think it's okay to take someone's life isn't really a sexy quality to me so that's the only reason why I can't really get on this Hannibal Clarice Stan. What I do think, though, is my sense of love. To me, I've always broken it down as a combination of a, a pair or however many. I don't, you know, know, but of those who tolerate one another as well as benefit. And in this case, if you break it down into that, Jack Crawford, Clarice Starling. There's a lot of uh, love. Yeah, I'm, no, I dig it. I dig it. But you know what I mean? That like, I break it down into do they tolerate one another? Mm-hmm. Yes. And do are they benefiting from one another mm-hmm. in a way? Honestly, yes. that like it makes me kind of depressed. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe it's because I've been ghosted so many times <laughs> that this is how I perceive love as just a matter of. Uh, tolerance and benefits and I'm I'm not talking about benefits in the way you might think but I'm talking about like doing things for one another or how they uh, educate you and how you educate them so if you're if you're taking that form of love as a concept then they got all the love in the world but when it comes to textbook love romance I personally can't get on it because I don't know if he has the ability to love in the sense of like a rom-com type mm-hmm. love. But, but that's that's the thing. Many men don't have that ability to True. do the rom-com thing. That's- but Clarice is the only one. She's the one who's different. Uh, that's me. Yeah, that's me gagging. One quick thing is we also see this in Dexter. I don't know if you guys have seen Yeah. Um, you know, he, and for the longest time, he had nothing to do with having a partner. He meets Rita and... Mm-hmm. Spoilers! 
Oh, yes. No, no, no. I, yeah. yeah. I, I know, but for anyone else, spoilers on Dexter really? coming up. He meets Rita and they have a partnership, which is the benefit aspect if we're getting into the weird concept of love that I have placed out there and tolerance. So we see another serial killer portrayed in film. Now, do we know this to be fact in real life? Yes, because of Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy had his girlfriend who they had a partnership. But do I think it's the love that someone who is not a serial killer or one to inflict harm on another human to that capacity? Um, No, I do not think it's love in that concept that us three and majority you would hope would feel love that's a good point bella i think it's a really good point yeah i I still think oh what were you going to say no you you go ahead shannon i do think though with hannibal what's interesting about him i don't know if i necessarily honestly think like him and clarice have like a true romance no i don't believe that however I do think that it's interesting. I guess you're saying, yeah, they do get benefit. Maybe the reason he keeps her alive is because they benefit each other. He says, but he also says the world's more interesting with you. And it, so I do think it shows that there's not just black and white. There are people who do monstrous things, but also do good things. And there are people who do good things who are mostly seen as good, who also do pretty monstrous things. So I just think that's kind of an important note. Like nothing is ever going to be black and white. Right. And I think- But with some serial killers, I mean- you know, like they, it is, they're just true monsters. But right. in Hannibal's case, you know. People who do uh, have very skewed senses of what they're doing and thinking that although they are doing what is technically the wrong thing, it's in their brain, it's for the right reason. That's right. a really good point. So I think it's come to the time for us to give our rating system. <laughs> give our ratings. So, um, <laughs> So it's our first podcast, our first episode, so we'll explain it a little bit. Um, a lot of different podcasts have ratings. Well, they'll do blank out of 10 stars or whatever. Since we are the Stephen Queens, I think it is only fitting that we give it blank out of 10 crowns. Ooh. Because we're all queens here. We're all wonderful. <laughs> um, so, Shannon, out of 10 crowns, how many do you give this movie? Honestly, I would give it, it's such a smart film. I love it so much. I honestly say, I don't know if I want to ever give it a 10, but that's like terrible. That's like a teacher saying <laughs> I never want to give it an 8. I'll say a 9.5 out of 10 crowns. Why do you give it a 9.5? Just because it's so well done. And the way, I mean, like I just said, it's so smart. And the way that women are portrayed is just, I just love that even, you know, in the early 90s, we're really getting a sense of Clarice's independence and her strength so and of course I mean there's just so many layers to it so yes that's what I would say Bella what about for you I would say when it came out I would say like if I were to view it then it would be a 9.5 I think now as watching it in 2020 I would say nine only because there's just a few things that are not (laughs) up to date Mm -hmm. and uh I disagree with as somebody who lives in the year 2020, as opposed to when the film was created. But I think it is a fantastic film. Highly recommend everyone to see it, whether or not you're a horror fan, because I think the amount of research and time behind the scenes, like you had talked about initially, that was put into it is a lot more than other horror films or movies in general Mm -hmm. take the time to put into a film. 
That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself, oh, I should have thought about this more before we started. Uh, I guess I'd give it, very surprisingly, between an 8.5 and a 9. Obviously, it has its dated moments and has its problematic moments. But I think, for me, some of the fun facts that I will give in a second are really, really cool. But a big thing for me is whether or not a film will pass the Bechtel test. For those who don't know, the Bechtel test or the Bechtel-Wallace test is a measure of the representation of women in fiction. It basically asks whether a work features at least two women. And this is a very, like, generic, there's so much more I could go into. I'm not trying to bore you. Um, it basically just goes into whether a movie, film, or book, whatever, goes, it has two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. And oftentimes it requires that those two women have a specific name. So, for example, this movie is a little controversial because some people think it does, some people think it doesn't. Technically, if we're going off of a technical standpoint, Ardelia, um, the other female FBI cadet that we see, she and Clarice, even though it's for like not even five seconds, technically talk about studying while they're going on a run. And at another point, they talk about the senator and her daughter while the press conference is going on. So technically, by the skin of its teeth, it passes the Bechtel test. Would I like it to pass it a little bit more? Yes, but it technically passes. So I give it an 8.5 to 9. And I think for that day and age, for it to pass is something that's really cool. Oh, I mean, it's the the early 90s. That never happened. Yeah. Um, Is it okay if I give some fun facts before we wrap up? Sure thing. So, fun fact. When we first see Hannibal Lecter in the film, when Clarice is walking down and you see it kind of pan over to him being in the cell, the director had Sir Anthony Hopkins, who plays Hannibal Lecter, watch the camera as it came in and keep eye contact with it as it came in to give Hannibal Lecter this feeling of being all-knowing to really connect with the audience right off the bat, which I think is pretty cool. Also, in that first opening scene, you see Clarice comment on some of his drawings. And the one drawing in particular that they mention, and I'm going to butcher this word because I always do, uh, Hannibal Lecter says the Duomo viewed from the Belvedere in Florence. It's the picture in Italy that he sees. And the next film, where he technically goes after he escapes, he's hiding out in Florence in that area. Fun fact. Crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he is in the movie. It's called Hannibal. It comes out in 2001. That's where he's living as a fugitive. Um, another really fun fact is when characters are talking to Clarice, like Dr. Chilton, Hannibal Lecter, Jack Crawford, when they have a view of their face, they are often talking directly into the camera when they're talking to Clarice, but she is always looking slightly off camera. Uh, Jonathan Dim explained this saying he did it so the audience would directly connect with Clarice and experience her point of view, not the other characters, encouraging them to identify more with her, which I think is super cool. I love that. Right? So like, and going back and watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so accurate. Like even when you're like right on her face, it's just always slightly off. Hmm. Another fun fact is Jodie Foster claims that during her very first meeting, like during the first meeting of Lecter and Starling, their first scene, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, you know how he mocks her southern accent? He's like, he kind of teases it. That was improvised on the spot. And Foster, her reaction of being horrified 
was very genuine because she felt personally attacked. Later, she ended up thanking him because it generated such an honest reaction. But that was him improvising. And I think improvising is super cool in film. That is interesting. Hmm. Um, As Bella had kind of talked about before, The Silence of the Lambs was inspired by a real-life relationship between the University of Washington criminology professor and profiler Robert Keppel and serial killer Ted Bundy. While Ted Bundy was, I think, executed before the investigation was finished, he definitely helped Keppel investigate the Green River serial killings in Washington. That really helped a lot. So a lot of the book was based on that. And my final fact, which I think is very weird, Martha Stewart and Sir Anthony Hopkins dated... They dated briefly during the production, but following the film's release, Martha Stewart ended the relationship because she couldn't separate Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal Lecter in her mind. Every time she saw him, she saw Hannibal Lecter and was like, nope, I'm out, can't do it. I'm sorry, I'm just going to chime in. I honestly don't think it's because of that. I think it's because she fell in love with Snoop Dogg. As all of us have. I mean, I know that... My mom and I are a solid Snoop Dogg family. Shout out to my fish, my beta fish named Snoop Dogg. But also, we love seeing two criminals in love. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Props to Bella. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, I think that's probably about the end of our time we don't want to take up too much of your guys's time but stay tuned in two weeks for our next film hint it's a very spooky film it's a classic film stay tuned and maybe you can have a hint or an idea yeah keep up with us on social media guys on facebook we're the stephen queens on instagram we're at the Stephen Queens, and that's S T E P H E N, like Stephen King. Woo. And then on Twitter, find us at Stephen underscore Queens. So please give us a follow, a shout out, leave some comments about things that you heard today. What are your opinions on what we talked about? What do you want to see next? Some feedback. We really, really are glad that you joined us today. We're so excited. Yeah, go follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't had the chance. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We're really excited to share this with you guys. Let us know what you want to hear. I mean, we love knowing about what you guys are interested in hearing so we can implement it into our next episode. Yes, I love that. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye.